Hello, and welcome to episode two of The Drop-Off. On September 29th, Epic brought Colorado business leaders together from a range of industries to celebrate today's vision, tomorrow's success at our annual dinner event. The event was a huge success. We had over 220 area business leaders, Epic members, and partners in attendance with us. In case you were not able to join, we hosted an employer panel discussion at our dinner, and this month's podcast features key insights and contributions from that conversation. Each of our panelists has a unique position addressing critical issues around early childhood and care and education, and we deeply appreciate their participation in this panel. Enjoy. Teresa and Adib don't go far uh, because they are going to be joining the panel here that we will get underway. Moderating, moderating our panel tonight is John Halbert. John is the publisher of Colorado Biz Magazine, the only statewide print publication dedicated to coverage of the Colorado economy, business, finance, technology industries, and the leaders behind them. As publisher, John is responsible for managing Colorado Biz's business operations and ensuring the man magazine is an editorial and commercial success. He recently shared a personal connection here uh, saying, we didn't have much growing up, but my parents always put a strong emphasis on education and led by example with their work ethic. It has had a lasting impact on me and my five siblings, and this in turn produced a well-educated family and an emphasis to pay it forward with our roles professionally and as parents. A strong education levels the playing field regardless of who you are or where you came from. Those words from John Halbert. Please join me in welcoming him and the rest of our panel to the stage. Well, good evening. Thank you. Thanks for this opportunity. Um, it's great to see so many colleagues in the business community uh, that are members here supporting EPIC, um, and especially in supporting of childhood, uh, excuse me, early childhood. Um, it's a pleasure to moderate this panel this evening. I had the opportunity to speak with all the individuals earlier and looking forward to uh, tonight's remarks. Um, in particular, I'd say this panel, they're really leading um, on innovative, bold, and employer-led early childhood solutions across Colorado. And I'd like to welcome our panelists tonight. I'm going to read uh, their uh, biography briefly, and then we'll get into some uh, questions for tonight. First, we have Christine Bonero. Christine is President and Chief Executive Officer of Mile High United Way which just celebrated its 125th anniversary as the first United Way in the country. As a leading nonprofit with 150 employees, Mile High United Way works to advance the common good of the community by investing and focusing on the issues of school readiness, youth success, and adult self-sufficiency. Christine is both a founding and executive member of EPIC, and she currently serves on EPIC's board of directors. Thank you, 
Christine. Um, next, we have Lauren Duke. Lauren is the Director of Communications for Steamboat Ski and Resort Corporation, a year-round vacation destination in northern Colorado with 2,000 seasonal and year-round employees. She's passionate about outdoor recreation, the tourism industry, and creating a culture where families can thrive in mountain communities. Lauren is a new EPIC member and recently participated in EPIC's employer-based child care design lab with other resort leadership to address a critical early childhood need for their workforce and community. Thank you, Lauren. Welcome back, Adib. Adib Khan is the Chief Brand and Impact Officer for Delta Dental of Colorado and the Executive Director of Delta Dental of Colorado Foundation. With over 1.4 million members and 200 employees, Delta Dental focuses on improving the oral health and economic needs of the communities it serves and ensuring that the smiles of all Coloradans matter. Adib is an executive member of EPIC and he currently serves on EPIC's Board of Directors. Welcome, Adib. And Teresa, Teresa Roche. Teresa is a human resources executive for the city of Fort Collins, a municipality in northern Colorado with over 150,000 residents and over 2,500 employees. The city of Fort Collins is an EPIC member and has a deep passion for collaboration and learning how individuals and organizations develop the capacity to interpret an evolving and complex environment to take effective action. Teresa leads efforts to address critical caregiving and family support for their internal workforce while working with her, excuse me, collaboratively with her colleagues and external partners to address early childhood needs in the community. Welcome back, Teresa. So we know the pandemic brought the challenges that working parents and caregivers face into sharp focus and has served as a catalyst that has prompted many employers and community partners to act. We also know addressing the early childhood care and education needs of employees and local community isn't a one-size-fits-all approach. So we're excited to learn more about um, each of you tonight and about your organizations and how you're addressing these important issues. So tonight in this panel, we're gonna to work towards answering the following questions with our panelists. What are you doing to address early childhood needs? How are you doing this? And how is it unique to your community and workforce? What are you most excited about? And what is your advice to other business leaders and employers on how they can get involved? Are we ready to get started? Great. Um, we're going to start with you, Christine. Um, so the way we plan on this working is we'll introduce the question, allow an opportunity for, for you to share, um, and then work through the group and continue through a series of questions for tonight. So Christine, uh, you're the helm of one of the most impactful organizations that supports some of the highest needs in Colorado. Can you tell us why, child, uh, excuse me, why early childhood care and education is such an important priority to United, excuse me, Mile High United Way. How do you engage a range of community partners to mobilize around this force? John, thank you. 
um, so much. And thank you to Colorado Biz Magazine for, sh for shining a light on what is such an important and critical issue um, to our community. I think you made the United Way and me a tad bit younger. We're celebrating our 135th <laughs> oh anniversary this year, but I appreciate it very, um, very much. But Mile High United Way put a stake in the ground over 30 years ago in early childcare and education, because if you really believe in a Colorado that everybody can call home and everyone can thrive in. There is no more important that investment than our littlest ones and in early child care and education. You only have to look at the data to know that is a fact. It is what allows people, women in particularly, to go to work. The return on investment has been proven over and over and over again, not to only look at also the scientific data of, and Sue Renner said it in the wonderful um, video of what happens with brain development between zero and five. If you make that investment, you have a little one that's ready to go to kindergarten. If they're going to go to kindergarten, they're going to be reading at grade level at third grade. And if they're reading at third grade, they're going to graduate from high school. And if they graduate from high school, we are looking at the workforce of color. Colorado. So that is why for so many years Mile High United Way has made an investment in this issue. We are very proud to run our Colorado 211 call center where any Coloradan can call for help. We also run the child care resource and referral line top consistently in the top five needs of people calling saying I need to be able to go to work, but I need to find quality child care. We have seen those numbers spike. We heard Nicole's numbers tonight about, um, about the lack of quality child care that is available. And again, the, the disproportionate piece it has on women in um, the workforce. So we don't believe that there's any more important investment and, it, and we saw it tonight, which is why you have the governor here, you have business leaders here, you have the nonprofit sector here. It takes every single one of us to literally unite a community together and address this issue. Outstanding. Thank you very much. Um, Lauren, we're going to turn to you next. And um, tell us a bit more about Steamboat and how they're addressing uh, the child care needs of its workforce. Um, and there's a project we're hoping you'll talk about. How did that come to be? Um, what's the status of your child care facility um, and that project? And what, are, what challenges still remain? What lessons have you learned from that? Am I on? There we go. Okay, <laughs> so much to report from Steamboat. Um, I am thrilled to announce that we are opening a, an employer-based childcare facility this December, and that is a massive achievement for us. And to kind of work back in time how that came to fruition, um, I am a new mother, I have an 18-month-old, and when I returned from maternity leave, there was a group of mothers and fathers at our resort who recognized that childcare was a crisis in our community, like so many communities around our country. But in rural and mountain destination communities, we are considered a childcare desert. To put it in perspective, in Steamboat alone, there are about 150 children born every year, and there are 20 spots for 12 and under, and only 10 of those are available for the public. So there really is no accessibility. And we recognized that at the resort, and we went to our leadership and said, this is something that we need to help solve. We were inspired by a podcast that is called uh, No One Is Coming to Save Us. 
And we kind of extended that thought and said, so we have to save ourselves. And we pitched this idea to our leadership. And then the world just opened up, the heavens opened up, and we realized that there are resources out there to save us. We were incredibly fortunate to be served on a platter, the Epic Design Lab. To participate in this program was absolutely critical to our success. We're a ski resort. If you want to know how to make snow or sell a season pass, you can call us. But if you want to know how to open a childcare facility, we have no experience in that. We were able to draw on the Epic leadership team, or the Epic team, to tell us every single step of the way. They presented us a roadmap that made it accessible and a vision that we could do this, we could finance this, and we could pitch this and make other people understand what our vision was. And only because of the design lab am I able to sit here today and say that we are opening a childcare facility. We know that this is critical to our community and to our workforce. We are absolutely, like everyone else in the country, looking at a labor shortage. We don't know where to find employees, but there are so many employees in our community who want to work for us but don't have access to affordable daycare, so they can't even consider it. Now we are opening up 30 spots this winter so that we can recruit new employees, or even better, retain the employees that are already on our staff that have children or want to plan for a family in the future. And even one step further, to bring back the workforce that is left because of the pandemic, because of whatever the situation is. They couldn't find childcare. They're already in our community and they want to work for us. And so we are thrilled to be able to have this facility that is going to change the way that we approach our recruitment and our retention. And I think it's just a shining example to Nicole and her team of what an employer-based facility means and what it can achieve. And it is absolutely critical for all businesses to consider this a part of their basic benefits to any employee. It's pretty impressive, thank you. Um, just to mix, mix things up, we're gonna jump to, to you, Adib. Um, I wanted to talk about uh, Delta Dental, how you're leveraging the foundation and the foundation component as a vehicle uh, for corporate social responsibility work um, in order to address early childhood needs within the community. Um, maybe talk a little bit about how the company is getting involved in, in policy work as well. Um, feel free to take that in you know, two different sections, but sure. if you could elaborate on that for, for just a bit, that would be wonderful. Yeah, absolutely, and I think you know, there's a lot of different ways to why I'm passionate about this issue. Much of it has to do with our foundation stance and how we've worked in early childhood for years. I'm a parent of three kids. I have an eight, six, and three-year-old. Uh, my spouse uh, is a licensed clinical social worker who's worked in early childhood settings her entire career. And on top of that, she's had to leave the workforce during the pandemic and has since yet to return just because of childcare issues. Um, and so just understanding the dynamics we've been facing um, and how difficult it can be, even pre-pandemic, one in three parents could not find access to quality childcare in the state of Colorado, and that number's only gone up. And so we have a crisis on hand. Um, and for Delta Dental of Colorado Foundation, you know, we try to address systemic issues, and we've identified three major initiatives with regards to oral health care that we focus on, one of which is focused on early childhood and prevention. And oftentimes when you're working in communities, when you're trying to reach families with young children, it can be very challenging because of all the dynamics they're dealing with just to be able to kind of put food on the table and be able to kind of put everything together and have quality childcare. Oftentimes within the healthcare uh, space, 
The best time to reach children with services, the best time to provide resources to families, the best time to provide the kinds of uh, an early education around even issues like health is to reach kids where they are. And so if we can integrate services and programs that have proven quality, that show effectiveness, and be able to create connections within early child care settings, we can advance what we're doing in the oral health space tremendously. And it's a huge opportunity. And one of the things I saw, I, I was appointed by the Governor Polis to serve on the Early Childhood Leadership Commission. Colorado has a tremendous early childhood framework that we've created. And the third portion of that framework is focused on early childhood health. And sometimes in this conversation, that gets neglected. We don't think about how we can develop a better health infrastructure to serve the health needs of our young people. And so for us, we wanted to take an approach where, again, focus on systems change. How can we affect policy? How can we affect um, long-term outcomes? Uh, you know, our grant dollars will only get us so far. And so I, we've taken a, a role of um, getting active with organizations like EPIC, using our voice along with the uh, collective voice of the business community to really tell legislators how important this issue is. It's important for us as parents, it's important for us as individuals, but it's critical for the business community. And I can talk about that for a long time, but it's important for us to really raise that voice. Um, you know, oftentimes we take for granted uh, our voice as business leaders, and we really must activate that even on a very local level. And for us, we've tried to, we've testified on behalf of some of the legislation they came out with the formulation of the new department, with the formulation of early, uh, of the universal preschool program. And I've really tried to push that agenda from a business perspective because our long-term economic situation absolutely fundamentally depends on how much we're investing in early childhood. We see it across the globe. Of the 42 industrialized nations in the world, we put the least amount into our early child care system. We put about $500 per year into our early childhood system from a federal level. Those other countries, on average, are putting in $14,000 per year. That's because they listen to the data. The data shows us that from zero to three, as we heard earlier, 85% of brain development is happening. We have a, thousand, a million neurons firing a second at that young age. And so we must develop in quality care that's going to maximize the potential of our kids and really produce long-term outcomes for our state, as well as some of the short-term outcomes of getting more people back into the workforce and really maximizing our economic output. One last statistic I'll just throw out there. If, if, our, if our workforce was able to work at the same level in the United States as they do in Finland, Finland's a country where they put $28,000 a year into early child care, we would see $1.4 trillion in an increase in our GDP because of getting people back to the workforce. There's a huge opportunity cost we're missing out, and we need to be more active in raising our voice towards putting resources towards this work. That deserves a sip of water after that. Just kidding. Teresa, on to you first. Um, congratulations on tonight's award. Uh, that is truly an impressive accomplishment. Um, so now is an opportunity to elaborate um, as well with what um, the city is doing. If you could talk uh, in, in a variety of different ways that the city of Fort Collins um, has been a leader, um, including addressing caregiving needs uh, for employees, and I guess may, maybe how, how did the city decide to take these first steps? Um, how did they evaluate that those were the needs that they wanted to start with and perhaps there are some unique things that emerged from this situation that you could share with the audience tonight? 
So thank you, John. And um, that's a little different than the question I thought you were going to ask me. But I will dance fast. And what I want to tell Lauren is I either want to learn how to ski or become the oldest mother in Colorado to have another child and move to Steamboat. Perfect. Such passion. <laughs> Such passion. It was great. So um, are you okay if I answer the question that I was prepared for? Will you be okay with that? Are, are you running for office or something? Yeah, I am. Yes, I am. No. No, I would never want to be an elected official. I would really be quite awful at it. Spinning my questions, yeah. by all means, the floor okay. is yours. So um, one of the questions that I was prepared to answer is how did the city decide? How did we decide to begin this focus? And I want to share just a little bit. The city signaled, I would say, some support for families and caregivers but it wasn't consistently felt by all of our employees, and it wasn't as optimized and as extensive as it could have been. And the pandemic is something none of us would have asked for, but we made the decision to make it a portal of transformation, and we just leaned into it because we felt the Paul Romer quote, um, no crisis, or a crisis is a terrible thing to waste, and we used it as an opportunity. I also think about a great quote that I love by uh, Adrienne Marie Brown, who wrote Emergent Strategy and a bunch of other wonderful books. She said, things are not getting worse, they are getting uncovered. We must hold each other tight and continue to pull back the veil. And I say that quote because many of our caregivers said to me and to many of the people that are at the table joining me tonight, COVID just made it more visible, the challenges that our caregivers were facing. Women and men who are working, and then when the online learning came into the home, it just exposed the vulnerabilities that were already there, but made it where none of us could turn our face again. So I think that's the journey we've been on, and it takes courage of heart. I wanna say that the thing that triggered and was an accelerator is we are really fortunate to have a city council that early on had identified the priority of affordable and accessible childcare in the community. And at the very beginning of the pandemic, March for us when we closed our buildings, um, except where it absolutely had to be open, I had a few council members call me late one night when I was in my office, it was a very intense time, and they said, what are you doing for our employees? And I paused and I said, do you know what it feels like to have your elected officials ask you, how are you taking care of your people? Because in the public sector, we do so much to take care of those in the community. And I love that they were asking us, take care of your own. We were doing some things, as I mentioned when I accepted the award with my colleagues, and have their support, it allowed us to do some more things. So in early 2021, a year later, they decided to add a council priority for us to look at affordable and accessible childcare strategies for our people. And that's when I was able to contact Nicole and bring Kate and Leah to help us understand what would that mean specifically for our employees. John, I hope that kind of answered. Uh, <laughs> I'm debating if I should ask a follow-up question because you're just going to say whatever it is you feel like anyway, which is all good stuff. So thank you very much. Um, well, I did, I did want to ask, 
are there short-term short-term impacts or even long-term impacts that you're expecting? I think this this element of a municipality engaging this is extremely interesting. Maybe yeah. you could talk about what you've learned in that short term and then what you might yeah. expect down the road. I did have that question, John. We're doing good. <laughs> One out of two, we're doing great, buddy. So um, the city as an organization has a myriad of ways that we help the community in the development of in-home childcare because what we found from our child care benefits exploration survey is that the largest and the most significant preference of our employees was for high quality in-home care, not necessarily going for the number one towards facilities. And so you look at what the city does as an enabler, as a platform. So we mentioned in the video about what we did on building development review and code compliance. FC Moves, which is this really compelling program, They've actually begun to map where they will have um, various mobility lanes close to childcare centers because that is really important. So my main point here is to say, while our employees said we want high quality in-home health care, or home care, excuse me, the city indirectly does that for the whole community. But more specifically for our employees, we removed the cap of hours that we made available through the uh, Family Care Connections, which is an emergency backup, and we reduced any cost to our employees during COVID. That was a really compelling strategy, particularly for our employees who could not work from their home. And then um, the other thing that I'm really delighted about is we have announced, a, as you said in the video, 120 hours of paid parental leave for the birth or adoption it's a really competitive, compelling move for a public sector to be able to do that. And the other thing that I absolutely love, and there's so many people that participated in this, because you think about how you engage the public when you're meeting the needs of the community, we choose to engage our employees. And we have done a lot of work on the future of work and flexible work practices. So 61% of our employees, because of their role, like police officers and bus operators and our recreation providers, they need to be on site. What we've done for them is we're giving an additional three days of flex time so that they feel they can leave for things that they want to do with their family. And we have approximately 36 of our employees who are working in a hybrid. So we say, how can you meet the community needs? And think about it, for a city to be able to be flexible um, I just feel that's been a, a wonderful impact that we have embarked on. Thank you, John. Dory, I too also want to hop back to Steamboat. So, Lauren, we're gonna we're gonna switch back to you. I think I think what would be interesting if you could share is um, some of the components with being a resort, but you're also in a rural community as well. Um, and I think it would be great to hear your perspective on. Um, you know, some of the challenges that you might face that could be unique um, being in a, in a rural setting um, and maybe how you've tried to address those. Yeah, absolutely. So, as I mentioned before, being a rural mountain destination comes with its own complexities. We have um, a mountain destination workforce, which obviously supplements the ski resort and really that tourism base. 
And then we're a rural community. We, our Western heritage is a part of who we are, but we are a big rural community. So access to childcare is even more difficult when you're in a spread out community. We are fortunate that we have some childcare facilities spread out, but even in the year and a half since we started on our trip, um, there were two facilities that closed in that time and that really impacted our employer base because they do draw from all over the place and we were confronted with employees who could, would be forced with leaving the workforce because their childcare facility closed. So we recognize that this is a major crisis in our community and the resort had to step up and find a solution. We aren't the only solution, there is still a crisis in our community unfortunately, but we need to lead the way and show that there are options available. And that's where we really do believe that an employer-based facility is the right solution because when we started this conversation, we looked at all of the options. And one of the things our leadership was considering was how about we provide funding resources for our staff that need childcare and they can have waivers and they can go to any facility that works for them. Well, that doesn't work if there's no facility space. We're not really alleviating a problem if we're not actually creating the space. And that's where we knew that we had to come in and build a facility. And what we really hope is that it encourages our community to see the resources that are out there that any business could make this a reality. There are resources like Epic. We have been incredibly fortunate to get a grant from the state of Colorado in order to build our facility. We are in a unique position as a for-profit that there may not be as many um, subsidizations as, as available for a non-profit, and that's one of the hurdles that we need to get over, but none of those barriers should be a reason that an employer um, should not consider providing this benefit, and especially in the rural communities where when you say a childcare desert, like I said in the numbers before, we're talking about minimal spaces for a maximum amount of children. I do want to be cognizant of time and I think we'll head towards wrapping up. Um, I definitely want to end with you, Christine, if there's, I hear some sort of big announcement mm -hmm. that you would like to make and I think this would be um, a perfect opportunity for you to share uh, what United Way is working on and um, we'll allow you to have the panel's concluding uh, remarks. Thank you, thank you. John, so Mile High United Way is a very proud founding partner of EPIC, but I hold this dinner last year 100% responsible, Nicole, for um, this announcement. We were here last year with my amazing colleagues and team that are sitting at the back table while they're here um, a year later when we were inspired by the panel that was here. We were inspired by Patagonia. We were inspired by Guild. And the next day after the dinner, that team of people showed up in, in my office and said, we've been doing this for 30 years, but it's time we put ourselves in this as well. So we are very proud to announce this. The first time we have announced it because some amazing investors and donors and more are welcome to join us. But um, we are going to be putting the first Mile High United Way Child Care Center in our building at 711 Park Avenue, serving 60. And Nicole, with Epics, we Epic helped us design this, go through the same process and what Nicole said to us and what we know through the 211 data, the biggest need in our community is infant care. So this is going to serve 60 teeny little ones, um, infants and toddlers, toddlers starting next year. So thank you, Epic.
powerful dinner. This is a very <laughs> powerful a dinner. Uh, well, thank you, everyone. Um, I want to thank our panelists um, for your thought-provoking contributions um, for the discussion. And I believe you can exit the stage. Thank you. We had so much fun at our annual dinner, and I hope you enjoyed listening to this panel conversation. Thank you again to everyone who helped make Epic's annual dinner a success, and to our panelists for sharing their perspectives and their expertise. A special thanks goes out to Epic supporters, including Governor Jared Polis, our MC Nicole Brady from Denver Channel 7, thanks to our moderator John Halbert with Cardo Biz Magazine, and to our amazing sponsors who helped us make this event a success. <laughs>